Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And boy, do we have a doozy. <laughs> another doozy. Yes. I mean, the case itself is pretty straightforward, but I was just telling Sydney, I went on like a lot of tangents on the research. And so I think that is what makes it a bit of a doozy. So it's a very, we'll just say it's a very timely episode. Like it relates to some things that are actually kind of going on or have been going on in the news in the last few months. And you're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? But we'll get there. Don't worry. (laughs) I love a good rant. Yeah, I I literally was (laughs) finishing the research and I like got sidetracked on something and I looked at Jacob and I was like I'm just I'm about to go down a rabbit hole on this and he's like oh god and then I spent the next 30 minutes reading stuff that technically had nothing to do with this episode but it's fine everything's fine fine. yeah everything's fine Uh, and I know I tease. I have some true crime news uh, update kind of yes! for you. Do you, before I do you have any updates that you want to give before I go mine? No, I mean I don't feel like there was like a press conference. They keep having these press conferences with like the Moscow stuff, yeah. but like it's not. It's literally just everything that we already knew in like a different order. I feel like is the best way to put it. Or like we're looking deeper into this. I did read an article yesterday that said they have, like, a lot of information and, like, they're working through tips and, like, they have a lot of, you know, good tips. But, like, I don't know what those good tips are. So, I feel like a lot of it's just very fair, unspoken. Yeah. Um, It's like they keep trying to give press conferences to keep everyone in the loop and try not to cause a panic. But they might not have, like, actual real updates. (laughs) Yeah, and I honestly think, like, that is, it's a good point. That's probably exactly why it's happening, like, to keep people in the loop and, like, not to cause a panic. But I think it's stressing people out more and, like, it's upsetting the media, I think, because I've seen a lot of, like, posts from different media sources, like Court TV and different local news channels. Basically, like, they're saying they're having another press conference and like one of the big legal correspondents I follow from court TV like had asked some of the people like okay do you have any updates and they're like yeah we have updates and she's like it's basically the same information like in a different order <laughs> like you don't have updates actually so like, I think that they're getting really frustrated with it so I think yeah. it's interesting to see that too like just creating their own theories now that's fair yeah, it could be very discouraging, too, and trying to process what's real and what's actually going on. Yeah, definitely. So my update <laughs> is that uh, this is actually the article is updated or posted yesterday. Sorry. And I had mentioned that there's like the serial killer they were likening to Ted Bundy on like the U.S.-Mexico border. Yes. And so... There have been three women confirmed in Tijuana that have been killed. I have all their, like, names. And I don't know if they were. They worked at bars. This one said, 
this person disappeared from the bar or was last seen at the bar where she worked as a dancer. So I don't know because another article said they were sex workers, but everything says like they worked at bars. I have no idea. Keep in mind it's Tijuana and there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in Tijuana. But all three women were violently sexually assaulted and then murdered. And apparently the Mexican officials believe they have identified the suspect. I saw like a week ago or 10 days ago that there was the suspect that they didn't release their name. This article yesterday does release his name. (laughs) It says, but some reports have identified him as this 30-year-old man from California. There is an official arrest warrant out for this man. And FBI, Interpol, the U.S. Gov- or U.S. officials are all trying to work to arrest him and have him extradited back to Mexico, but they haven't located him yet. So he's like, it definitely seems like this guy was probably guilty because he's on the run. So stay tuned. Do we? But it's interesting. Do we know? So I guess if they release this, do you, is it like a U.S. citizen or is like he from Mexico or like do you know? So he has a Hispanic name. I looked, tried to look him up and I couldn't find anything else on him except some Spanish articles that I couldn't read. Figures. Uh, it says Me- Mexican officials have not released his name, but some officials, some reports have identified him as, and then it has his name. And then it says prosecutors have now filed for an arrest warrant against him with judicial officials and requested his extradition from the U.S. So it sounds like that. I don't know if he's a, he's obviously a U.S. citizen or a resident of California at the time, at least, or currently. And because well, like, the Mexican the... prosecutor's office is working with the FBI and Interpol to get mm-hmm. him back into Mexico so they can put him on trial. I was just curious, I guess, like how the U.S. falls into all this. Like, because did they find the bodies in Tijuana? Did they find them in the states? Like, where does like the jurisdiction and everything fall? It's so, crazy either fun way. Fun fact, uh, because I don't think I like genuinely realize how easy this is. But a few years ago, my dad works with uh, people all over the U.S. Like, he's in sales. And he's got clients in California that he was going out to visit, Southern California. And when originally he was planning the trip out there, they wanted to take him to Tijuana for lunch. And I thought that was so weird. But, like, they literally, you can just cross the border and go to lunch. I guess that shouldn't be weird for me (laughs) when I literally live at the Canada border. And the same thing here, like. I worked with people in Michigan that lived in Canada or yeah. were Canadian residents or would go back and forth every day or on weekends, like whatever. So I guess it's not as mind blowing to me. It sounds like the person is a Californian resident currently. Um, okay. And I don't, the victims were in Tijuana and it sounds like the bodies were found in Tijuana because the one that they talk about, uh, said her well, not- brother found her body in um, an abandoned SUV. Uh-huh. That was the one that I read about was in the, or first, I feel like first saw was the abandoned SUV. 
Yeah, so it looks like the Attorney General of the state of Baja, California, said the killer has been fully identified. Interesting. And they said that they are, he is a Californian resident. Like I said, they gave his name. I won't put it out there yet because it's not confirmed he hasn't been arrested or officially charged yet. Uh, but it looks like there's three women that they believe for sure are linked. And it, yeah, it says American crossing the border to carry out his sick plans. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And wild, because I think anyone into true crime, this is kind of like, you know, we know a lot of about serial killers, but usually it's not like current or like a current investigation when that happens. So no. the fact that these murders took place like this year and last year are really wild. Yeah, it's really that's. That's a good point, too, because, I mean, there's obviously, like, those big-name serial killers that, like, everybody knows. Bundy, Dahmer, Yeet. Like, everybody knows those exactly. names. But, like, <laughs> in my lifetime, did I personally, like, experience any of that? Like, I wasn't even alive when Dahmer, like, Dahmer died the year before I was born. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't yeah. really experience any of these. Yeah, no, and there's definitely been active serial killers, but I just feel like they aren't as talked about as, like, the older ones. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's interesting to see, like, oh, this is, like, very current. <laughs> so I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm curious to see if they arrest him and are able to identify more victims or what. It'll be interesting for sure. <laughs> Definitely that's something I yeah, that's something I will definitely follow and give everyone updates on. <laughs> Don't worry. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, is there anything else before I dive into this case? No, I think you're free to dive. Sweet. Holidays are spent celebrating with friends, family, and a variety of loved ones. Attacks during those celebrations are always extra horrific because it should be a time of reflection, peace, and happiness, especially the holidays celebrated in December. Today, we discuss one of those horrific attacks in New York in more recent years. Since not everyone knows what this is, I figured I'd kind of give a basic summary of what Hanukkah is. You might know, like, it's a Jewish holiday, but what does it celebrate? What does it represent? I will tell you. So That's all it, I know. <laughs> okay, see? Perfect. Hanukkah is the Jewish holiday known as the Festival of Lights. It's actually based off the Jewish calendar. Uh, so every year it falls on different dates, like Christmas is December 25th every year. It's not like that. Uh, it's usually in December. Sometimes it's as early as the end of November, I think it was last year, it was like within a few days of Thanksgiving. It just really depends on how the Jewish or Jewish calendar falls. So the festival lights last eight days. Uh, thank you, Adam Sandler. Everyone should know that from Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> Hopefully you've seen that movie, I hope. <laughs> so Maybe. I've never, I've never seen Oh that my God. Um, my boyfriend has seen the movie and talks about it often. Okay, well, that's a movie I watch, like, every year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he, like, went and saw it in theaters when he was, like, younger. Oh, my gosh. Like a child. So 
yeah, I listened to the uh, Hanukkah song and <laughs> watch Eight Crazy Nights like every year. <laughs> yep. So funny. Uh, but yes, so Festival of Lights lasts eight days. It is actually the celebration of a miracle that took place in Jerusalem. Basically, there was a temple where the menorah was lit and it kept burning for eight days despite only having enough oil for one day so that's why it's celebrated for eight nights you light candles on the menorah every night in celebration um so like first night you light one candle second night two candles and so on and it's in celebration of this miracle that took place of the menorah burning for eight days uh, to celebrate Hanukkah, like I said, candles on a menorah lit every night with prayers and often gifts are given. A uh, common misconception is that gifts are given every night. <laughs> um, I think it's like if you're small children, you get like tchotchkes every night. Uh, <laughs> also, like or knickknacks. Sorry, I <laughs> find myself using a lot of Yiddish words <laughs> nowadays, too. Um, so I was like, like, uh... like candy or like a little like wind up toy or something small like you don't really get big gifts every night <laughs> so like my boyfriend's family as adults we get gifts we exchange a gift the first night and that's it so uh yeah i don't luckily won't plan on giving <laughs> my child gifts every night of hanukkah or and christmas so <laughs> we just get one night of each <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a lot of money to spend uh, yeah. <laughs> now that we know what Hanukkah is, <laughs> I can kind of dive into the events of this attack that took place. It was December 28th, 2019. It actually fell on the seventh night of Hanukkah. And this attack took place in uh, Muncie, New York. So Muncie is just north. I actually looked it up on the border or on the map. So... <laughs> The state of New York and New Jersey, they're, like, weird how the layout is, right? So, it's just north of the New Jersey border, but it's, like, northwest of New York City. Uh, it's a major center of Orthodox Judaism in the U.S., along with a few other surrounding cities. Like, that region is very heavy Orthodox Judaism. Muncie itself is the largest center of Hasidic Judaism in the entire United States outside of New York City itself. And I think we've talked about this before from other cases, but Orthodox Judaism is considered more conservative. Hasidic Judaism is kind of like a subset of this. So basically, all Hasidic Jews are Orthodox, but not all Orthodox are Hasidic. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I saw a really good comparison. It was like, all French people are European, but not all Europeans are French. And I was like, perfect. Got it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a subsect of that. Hasidic Jews live their lives based off certain principles. It reflects in how they dress and even how they make life decisions. Uh, taking a new job and moving out of state, those are things that you would consult your rabbi before making decisions. Like it affects every decision you make in your life, basically. I fell on a really deep rabbit hole. There's a lot of other differences. This is just like the basics to summarize, like. Hasidic Judaism versus 
regular Judaism. Uh, it just tends to be more conservative. So on this night, the seventh night of Hanukkah, a masked man invaded a home of a Hasidic rabbi where a Hanukkah party was being held. It was in the home of Rabbi Chaim Rottenberg, and almost 100 people were in attendance to join the li- join in on the lighting of the candle. So that was like quite a bit of people there. It was around 10 p.m. that night when a man walked into the rabbi's home with a scarf covering his face and right away started stabbing attendees with an 18-inch machete. Again, this sounds late, but most celebrations are done after dark anyways. So you have dinner, you have prayer, all of that kind of stuff. It really isn't abnormal, (laughs) just to clarify. So five people present at this celebration were injured and all were Hasidic Jews. One victim was actually the rabbi's son and two people were in critical condition. One of those in critical condition was a victim that had a skull fracture and he was unconscious when the medics arrived. Later it was determined he was actually struck three times and he received a wound that directly penetrated his brain. The other injuries ranged from slash wounds, like superficial slash wounds, to a severed finger. The victim who was severely injured was a 72-year-old man who ended up being in a coma for the next 59 days. Unfortunately, he would pass away in March of 2020. Apparently, there are pictures out there, and I didn't see these. I didn't dive into them. I read a few articles about it, but... His family, like, released information on him, explained, like, his background. They released horrific pictures of him, like, in the hospital with feeding breathing tubes, like, stitches on his face. Like, he had multiple surgeries. No. Well, they did it for a reason. Um, yeah. And they no, were I just, believe it because I see that. So, they were basically just, like, talking about and very open with reporters on social media about how horrific this attack was. And we'll get into, like, the basics or, like, supposed basis of these this attack. And that's what they were, like, really outspoken on. I did not find the images or I didn't go looking for them. I also will recommend that we do not post them just because, like, out of respect for that man and his family. I know they shared them initially, but, it, yeah. I mean, he was an elderly man who was, like, brutally attacked. And, I mean, I probably will go look. I'm not going to lie, but I will make sure that that's not something that gets posted. But those pictures, I feel like that's really common nowadays or, like, in recent years where, like, people do post some of those graphic photos when people, like, a family member's in the hospital, like, to either get justice or, like, to get, unfortunately, the reality of the situation out there. But they're pretty heartbreaking and horrific to see. I'll say the saving grace is that his family posted it. It wasn't just, like, some random people or reporters or police officers, like, leaked this. So, I mean, at least there's that. Uh, I feel better knowing that. But I agree. And, honestly, I saw pictures from the crime scene. And there was a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Yeah. So, that alone, I was like, ooh, don't want to go looking for that right now. 
So while the attacker was in the rabbi's home, guests actually began attacking him back. They were throwing and pushing chairs and a small table at him, trying to either like get him out of there or scare him off. It worked since the attack in the rabbi's home lasted less than 10 minutes. Like he was not in there long. And originally when he burst in there, he made like a comment about how no one was getting out alive. But clearly the attack did not last long and he fled. At first he attempted to enter actually the synagogue next door. But I saw either the doors were locked or people inside had locked the doors, not letting him in. The assailant eventually fled the scene in a car, and luckily a witness was able to get the license plate of the car, and a bolo was immediately issued. Around 11.45 that evening, so within just a couple hours of the attack, a plate reader on the George Washington Bridge scanned and captured the license plate as it was entering New York City. Police were immediately notified and on the hunt, and sometime after midnight, he was stopped in this car in Harlem. The man was arrested without any issues. Thank goodness. Like, police surrounded his car. It was, like, a couple officer, couple different officer cars. Got him out. No fight. And when he was stopped, there was blood on his clothes. According to police, there was a strong smell of bleach coming from the car. And the machete he used was also found under the passenger seat. So, like... Blocked and loaded, this is the assailant, right? Suspect was then transported back to Muncie to be arraigned and charged there. The man was named Grafton Thomas. He was a 37-year-old African-American male who lived in a city northwest of Muncie called Greenwood Lake. It seemed like Grafton was quite well known with the police in Greenwood Lake. He lived there with his mother and he had quite a bit of run-ins. Since 2001, he had been arrested at least seven times and that was over the last 18 years. So, I mean, at least it was spread out, but it looked like the last couple years he had quite a few incidents. His previous charges included assault, resisting arrest, killing or injuring a police animal, driving under the influence, possession of a controlled substance, and menacing a police officer. Uh, He was in jail for a brief stint in 2013 for the drug charges. And I'm sure, Sydney, and anyone else listening, if you're like me, you're like, what the fuck is the injuring or hurting a police animal charge? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I don't have an in-depth explanation, but I can tell you apparently it was for an incident where he punched a police horse. Dang, that's, I mean, I know that that's like a thing though, but like, it's so crazy. Yes, it's very crazy. I don't know if he got any jail time or he was like on probation for that. Or what the hell happened. Uh, I literally have nothing in depth. I just could find that he punched a police horse. Which is like also really fucked up. That police horse didn't do anything to you. And I feel like that would be something like. I mean I guess I don't know if he got like jail time. But I wouldn't be surprised if he got jail time. Like there was an incident around us. Where someone had shot at a police dog. And the dog didn't die. But like. 
the person is in jail for it. I think they had like other crimes too, but I think one of them, the one of the big pieces was the shooting at the police dog. Yeah. Well, and that's like, I would think he, he would be in jail. I don't know if it was because he punched the police horse and yeah. it wasn't like an, anything like further, if maybe he was just fined or probation or what. But also in 2018, so the just the year before the attack, he was also charged with a weapon possession charge and then endangerment and then menacing to a police officer. So, I mean, he was definitely known. I saw there were several run-ins with the local police and him. He would be constantly, anytime he'd be out and about and, like, would come across a police officer in town. He was, like verbally getting into altercations with them like he was very well known to the local police so who was Grafton Thomas besides this information and like what why did he do this right so during the investigation several handwritten journals were found in his home that had very clear anti-semitic views including lots of things on nazi culture hitler he had lots of swastika drawings things like that he also referenced a fringe religious movement known as the black hebrew israelites so this is kind of the tangent i went down (laughs) uh sydney does this group sound familiar or have you heard of them at all it sounds familiar, but I don't know in depth what it is. Like, okay, so but I've when heard I, the name. When I was doing this research, I saw the name and I was like, like a light bulb moment. Like, hey, I know what this like supposed fringe, very unknown religious movement. I know I've heard of this group, and so I was like, why have I heard of them? Let me look it up. <laughs> Fun fact, I've heard of them because not too long ago, I actually looked into them a lot and read a lot about them uh, because of everything going on with Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. (laughs) So, yes. So Kyrie's whole post and like everything, the movie he was supporting is a movie linked to black Hebrew Israelites in that movement. So that's why I've heard of it. But that, I that makes sense. <laughs> did so we talk I, about that on here? Or did we, we talk about I think something? I like made a joke and like light joke about it. We definitely I, mentioned something or had yes. a private conversation about it then. Potentially. Because I wanted to know, like, okay, I wanted to do my own research, like, right? Like there's sure. a lot of people defending Kyrie and Kanye, a lot of people attacking them. And I was like, what is going on and why? Let me figure out my own opinions. And then I had very strong opinions when I looked into everything. <laughs> um, sure. So I'll just kind of summarize because like I said, I went on this tangent and fell deep down this hole and was reading a lot about it even more today and yesterday. And I just want to give a summary. (laughs) So the Black Hebrew Israelites are a group of African Americans who believe they are also a descendant of Jacob and they are another tribe of Israel. So basically in Hebrew Jewish culture, 
what there is in the Old Testament, <laughs> which is the same in Christianity and Judaism, right? There is Jacob that has sons, and these are the tribes of Israel. They are the Jewish people. Uh, each tribe is like something, it's a different name. They all went their separate ways, whatever, but they're considered the sons of Israel. So Black Hebrew Israelites or BHIs, I'll probably call them at some points. Their belief is that there was another descendant and they were African American. Now, there's nothing wrong with that belief. I just want to clarify, but there are a lot of factions and offshoots of the BHI movement and this group now. And some of these, if not most of them, uh, over a hundred of them in the United States actually are described by the Anti-Defamation League and Southern Poverty Law Center as anti-Semitic. These factions consider are considered to be black hate groups. They contain anti-white beliefs since these factions believe what is commonly known as the G- Jewish people today are actually imposters and not true descendants. So the factions that tend to be anti-Semitic or extremists, which happen in any you know, movement, religious group, anything like that, basically these extremists believe that Jewish people aren't really Jewish people, that they're culturally appropriating Judaism. So what has been the Jewish people for centuries are not true is basically what their group says. Uh, Interesting. So it, yes, it's a very, uh, very interesting belief. Um, there is a group known as like Ethiopian Jews, completely separate uh, because you Fun fact, you will meet African-American or or black Jewish people often, actually. Um, Who was it? I think it was like Louis Armstrong, like the musician back in the day, considered himself to be Jewish. I think he was the one that was like adopted by a family who was Jewish and that's how he was raised. Hmm. So it's like very possible, you know, my boyfriend went to a Jewish school growing up and there were Ethiopian Jews and African-American Jews at his school. It is a thing. It is completely separate. They are not the same thing. Um, So it's very important for me to emphasize this. Not all black Hebrew Israelites are considered to be hate groups or anti-Semitic. <laughs> I just want to like emphasize valid. that. I, I mean, yeah. Because it's like, it's like the same thing with like, Okay, not all Muslims are terrorists, right? There's extremists in every group. And it's very unfair to label, like, this group as all anti-Semitic or all to be, like, a hate group. But, unfortunately, a large number of them, that is what it has evolved into. That's true. So that's why I went on this whole (laughs) rabbit hole, because it's just, like, really interesting to me. Um, And, again, I had never heard of this until recently doing all that research (laughs) to try to form my own opinions on what was going on in the celebrity world, I'll say. (laughs) So that's my tangent. Really sorry to take us down this hole. But the reason that is important is because 
Grafton had a large number of beliefs that were anti-Semitic, and he had a lot of, like, these Black Hebrew Israelite beliefs. That is what was found in his writings, in his home, in his journals, his internet searches, things like that. In the weeks leading up to the attack, he read articles about New York City police presence increasing in Jewish communities. And he made Google searches looking up things uh, like, why did Hitler hate the Jews? Supposedly, he searched that multiple times in the previous weeks. He looked up German Jewish temples near me. And he also looked for Zionist temples in Elizabeth, New Jersey and Staten Island. So he was very deliberate with his internet searches. At this point in time during the investigation, Grafton was also being looked into for another possible stabbing that happened in Muncie the month before in November. There was an Orthodox man who was on his way very, very early in the morning to a prayer service, and he was also stabbed. He was critically injured but survived. They've actually never linked for sure if Grafton was the man responsible for this attack, uh, but they investigators really believe it was him on like I don't know a test run or something like that it did also come out during the investigation that he had a long history of mental illness so the year before in 2018 he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia Uh, he was forcefully committed and evaluated after confronting a police officer with a knife I believe that's when he received his menacing charge, like uh, menacing a police officer charge. During this investigation and the trial that'll ensue for the the Muncie Hanukkah attack, his attorney claimed that he was not anti-Semitic, that he was simply mentally ill and off his medication. And I can't tell you which one is accurate. I don't know. I will say that when you have like a mental or psychotic break a lot of times there is like religious linked um breakdowns (laughs) and I mean I guess I'll just like link it to people personally uh because my father has also said like I'm more than willing to talk like I'm more than welcome to talk about this but my dad and his eldest brother who passed away recently was they were they were and are both bipolar so their bipolar breakdowns actually are pretty similar my dad would have breakdowns that were linked to like religious beliefs or like the illuminati or things like that where it was like freemasonry and this whole conspiracy theories and then my uncle also would have mental breakdowns like really bad when he would go off his medication and it was always linked to like the antichrist and like these religious breakdowns so i could see his beliefs in these tangents and going down this hole also being linked to his mental illness so i don't want to like just be like oh this man was a hateful man you know what i mean like i don't you don't know yeah, I also feel like just going kind of off of that, like, you know, schizophrenia or like those that related, I feel like it's not uncommon for people like 
I guess that break. I guess it would still be the breakdown. Like that, I feel like that's what you hear about. Um, I have a very good friend um, who her brother has schizophrenia, and he used to tell us, like back in the day, I guess when he was off of his medications and stuff, that people are watching us, and it also was linked to like religious parties and Christianity and different. Like that's what his focus was. But I guess that that would also be like considered like, like those breakdowns. Super common, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think about like that. religion, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy like, I feel theories. Like that's super common in mental breakdowns, and so that's why I like really want to emphasize this because a lot of people, not just as attorney, like he was involved in a church back home, like in his hometown, and so like several church members, including the pastor, spoke out like he is a very loving man. He is not like racist or anti-semitic at all he's not hateful like this is not who he is and so it really potentially could be because he had this mental breakdown because he is mentally ill and wasn't medicated I just I wanted to include that information about like the black Hebrew Israelites because there are those links to the anti-semitism and unfortunately at this time in 2019 uh, and over the last few years there has been a huge rise in anti-Semitic hate. Um, I actually, for the purpose of getting in a social media argument with someone uh, (laughs) over the Kyrie Irving (laughs) comments or debate, the reason that stuff can be so dangerous is because there has been a rise. And I looked up statistics recently and it's something like in the last two years, anti-Semitic attacks have increased like 27% in the U.S. Which is crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, I can tell you that there is a very big, I mean, I live in an area that has a lot of Jewish people. (laughs) Um, Like a lot. There's a few different Jewish schools around. There's a lot of synagogues. Um, I did not grow up on the side of the suburbs, (laughs) like Metro Detroit, um, but I live here now. And I just read an article two weeks ago that my dad sent me that the city next door, there was someone that showed up to one of the Jewish schools and was literally outside yelling at teachers, at elementary school to students, their parents picking them up about how like Kanye West was right. Like I literally read this article and it was like literally nuts. And it happened two weeks ago in the city next door. It's like 10 minutes away. So it's very prevalent, (laughs) like this stuff still happens. That's why I wanted to like emphasize and this episode will come out during Hanukkah. So I guess like education (laughs) too, it's like, you know, double fold here, but sorry for my tangent. (laughs) I only have a little bit left. Um, So Grafton Thomas was arraigned in Muncie in December of December 29th, 2019. He pled not guilty on five counts of attempted murder and one count of first-degree burglary. His bail was originally set at $5 million, so quite a bit. The elderly victim passed away in March of 2020, and that is when the district attorney also decided to pursue a grand jury indictment for second-degree murder. In the meantime, concurrently in federal court, uh, 
December 30th, actually, of 2019, Grafton was also charged on five counts of obstruction of free exercise of religious beliefs involving an attempt to kill and use of a dangerous weapon resulting in bodily injury. So, essentially, he was charged on five counts of a federal hate crime. A federal judge in April of 2020 actually ruled him incompetent to stand trial on these federal charges and ordered him to be held in a mental facility. According to an article as recent as January of 2021, so it was um, a little, almost a year after the initial ruling of incompetence, the incompetence declaration was actually validated in New York State Court as well. Grafton became eligible for tri- can become eligible for trial at any time he's found competent by doctors. In the meantime, he is being held in a mental facility. I think he had recently been transferred to New York in 2021. He was being held out of state originally. I don't know where he's at now or what state he's being held in. But I did see this is really interesting to me. If he is found mentally incompetent after a year, he automatically will be held for treatment for at least two more years before they reevaluate him. So um, they give it kind of a year, reevaluate, and then they'll treat him for the next two years and reevaluate again from there. That's interesting. I guess I didn't know like how they would go about that, but I guess it makes sense. Like you're not going to make significant progress like within Correct. months after, you know, we we evaluated everything. You can see that there wasn't significant progress. We'll evaluate it again in a, a few years. I guess it's just interesting because I never really put into perspective how often they were checking those things. Yeah, I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, is it just one day? Like, oh, you you seem stable now. Well, and I mean, uh, I'm sure, too, that people would probably be like, no, like, I'm better this week. So, like, they have to put a date on it. Yes. And I guess they would go through the series of tests for incompetence at that point to in like thorough detail, but it's actually believed his confinement in the mental facility could potentially last his entire life. Therefore, his attorney had requested the multiple felony charges be dropped since he was ruled incompetent, uh, but the prosecutor and district attorney opposed this. Basically, his attorney's standpoint was he's going to be held in this mental facility indefinitely currently. There's no point in trying to, like, keep pursuing these charges or leave these charges out there. They can always refile later if they wanted. Um, but the prosecutor and district attorney really stand by that if he's found competent, they want him charged. And they don't want to let go of those charges out there on the books. Um This attack received a lot of, like, national and international news. I saw, like, Prime Minister of Israel, a lot of, like, Israeli figures, uh, the president at the time, which was Donald Trump. They all actually spoke out about this attack. Uh, A lot of our government officials, like New York senator, governor, uh, state legislators, they all spoke out about this. Because, unfortunately, like I said, there is that rise in anti-Semitism right now. And this attack was, like, pretty horrific. Like, 
these people are in their own community, minding their own business kind of thing. And Muncie is a big place where, like, like I said, that's, it's a way of life there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's someone who came into their town, which is very heavily populated by Hasidic and Orthodox Jews and um, made this attack. So it was pretty horrific. But as of I, like I said, as I can find, he is unfortunately, I should say fortunately, getting the help he needs for his mental illness. And that's my case. <laughs> it was a good one. Um, I do want to add, have you ever heard of Muncie prior to this? Like, were you familiar with Muncie? Yes. Okay. From <laughs> what? Law and order. Okay, okay, valid. So, I mean, you know me. I obsess over things. Yeah. So, you know, like all the way back to at one point, I wanted to like go join an Amish community. I was so oh obsessed with the Amish people, and I'm like, I don't think it works. You know, everyone's trying to tell me it doesn't work like this. I'm pretty sure your sister was one of those people, and I was Probably. like, so so obsessed. I was gonna. Be, I'm like, I won't go full Amish. I'm gonna go be a Mennonite. Everything's gonna be great. Besides <laughs> the point. So I watched this show on Netflix, and it's called My Unorthodox Life. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, my God. I think I've gotten an episode in, and I was like, I can't keep watching this. <laughs> <laughs> so I love trash TV. Um, I know we we talk about this. Yes. Sydney doesn't listen to, like, true crime podcasts. I listen to reality podcasts. But um, it's basically this family, and they're from Muncie, and the mom and like a couple of the kids like transition into you know this unorthodox lifestyle and move to new york city and the mom's actually like a ceo at this big fashion company but then there's like one kid who's still very much in to this orthodox living so like they go and pick him up for muncie and stuff but it's just that's the only other time i feel like i've heard about it but it's a show that i was obsessed (laughs) with for a period of time and i was like where is muncie how close is this and was very intrigued like that they have this community and it's like a whole nother world out there so i really have watched all of one order svu except the current season i actually went back and like watched all of it (laughs) uh which is a lot yes a while um but it's a big thing in law and order svu or in regular law and order too if you watch any of those series because they all take place in new york city and so there is a very large jewish community in new york (laughs) it's like new york and new jersey are very large jewish communities and they actually any episode that covers like the orthodox lifestyle there was one where um the mom like a or like a son was kidnapped or something like that or the mom thought the child was being sexually abused on weekends with his dad and he was living in this community and so they'll go visit like and there are definitely episodes where they've gone to like Muncie or cities in like that where you see what it looks like and obviously, it's a television show. It's not real. But those places exist. <laughs> so I knew a lot they about do. it because, because of that. And in fact, <laughs> um, I work in the mortgage industry. I close a lot. Of, I close loans. And so I always laugh because there are a lot of very stereotypical Jewish names. Like the rabbi's name was Hayam. Like that's a Jewish name. And I've 
<laughs> joked that since I started dating Jacob, I've been more aware of these things where I <laughs> close a lot of loans in New York with like very Jewish names. And so a lot of times I'll look up the city like, oh, where's this at? And it's all either like Muncie or in Rockland County, which is the county that this took place in. So wow. I, it's kind of comical because I'm like, oh, I definitely I'd like probably have closed all these loans before but you know what I mean I never paid attention and now Mm -hmm. I'm like wow I get all the Jewish loans (laughs) they just must be giving them all to you yeah I just had to share I this story I thought it was wild and last year we covered all Christmas themed stuff and I was like let's do a Hanukkah one (laughs) no it was good it's definitely I mean I've never heard of this prior too so it's a, a good you know smaller case and like even the fact Lots that you're saying <laughs> yeah but you're saying that it was like pretty well known you know the president spoke out about it the different you know senators and governor or whatever like that's pretty interesting because I've never heard of it yeah me either and I I mean maybe I like heard something like loosely sure. but I never paid attention that's for sure <laughs> I always, like, tell myself that I must have heard about things loosely, but I really don't think I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, those those are my – that's my case and our true crime updates. And I think we have some jokes and facts, right? We always have a good joke and a good fact. Uh, I also have a joke for you this week, too. (laughs) Yes. Love it. But we'll go fact first and then end with our two jokes back to back, I think. So I do want to say, as I've been sitting here, I feel like I might need to do a Google search because I've been staring at it. Um, So it says that there's three different colors of corn tortillas. Yellow, red, and blue. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, do they mean like tortillas, like tortilla shells? Or do they mean tortillas like tortilla chips? Well, I've definitely had blue corn tortilla chips. That's the same, but, and I've had, like, I can picture, like, red ones, but I've never had, like, a blue tortilla. Interesting. Maybe they exist. Corn tortilla colors. <laughs> I mean, maybe oh, they there, exist there's in hard shells, no, or are they there's, soft there's shell, too? definitely, like, soft shell red and blue tortillas. That's just wild. <laughs> I swear to God. And they're even, like, you know, like, Mission brand tortillas. Interesting. I have not seen these at the grocery store, but now I'm going to be on the hunt. Yeah, I've definitely, I don't think I've seen them either. There's also a bunch of like um, pictures on here of people that are clearly like dyeing them different colors. Like there's like orange orange (laughs) and like, but no, they're definitely colored rainbow tortillas. Like, interesting. I'm going to be on the hunt now. (laughs) Let me know if you see them at your local grocery store. I will. All right, hit me with your fact. Joke. Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) I do this every time now, don't I? (laughs) I feel like you've done it a couple times. It makes me laugh every time because I'm like, are you trying to trick me? It's fine. The other day I said like six times in ten minutes about how we needed to feed the baby. And Jacob's like, you mean change him? We literally just fed him. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's what I mean. And then like a minute and a half later, I'd be like, okay, are you ready to feed him? He'd be like you mean change, change him. him and I'm like we have to I change don't know him. like my brain does not compute right now I don't know what's wrong with me you get what I'm talking about you understood. exactly you knew that's all that matters 
<laughs> okay, joke. Yes, joke time. <laughs> Why don't you ever see Santa in the hospital? Why? Because he has private elf care. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. It's punny. (laughs) It is punny. I have a Hanukkah-themed joke today. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, There were a few to choose from. The option I have is the one that my boyfriend thought was the funniest. And it also kind of fits with our podcast. Um, So, (laughs) what do you call the speck that falls into the lock key pan? What? An unidentified frying object. Oh, that's good. Because the potato pancakes are latkes and they're fried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I know that tidbit. I was like, that's good though. frying object. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So we we're here with the punny jokes today. <laughs> I love some punniness. Well, folks, you can find us on Facebook, Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Has links to all our episodes on Spotify, all our sources for each episode, and their summaries. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a rating and or review. This helps us get noticed, and it's really cool to see those numbers jump and to see what you guys like about the episodes. Agreed. And I've mentioned this last week, but this episode will come out in the middle of Hanukkah. So I hope everyone's enjoying their Hanukkah. And then it'll come out prior to Christmas and Kwanzaa fall on the same day. So Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays. I came prepared this year. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Okay, I'm going to (laughs) stop. I was going to say, I'm so glad I'm not the one singing this episode. (laughs) I can't stop. You can take that one. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. We don't have our video on, and obviously this is not like on YouTube, but I was definitely dancing to that. And that's oh. me in the kitchen every time I cook dinner <laughs> or the baby's taking a little nap and I'm listening to Christmas music on my Alexa at like volume four. <laughs> jam. Just a yeah. jam. Dancing around while I do dishes. <laughs> that's me. Dancing around while I do anything. Yeah. <laughs> So I hope everyone has a happy holiday and I guess we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.